0: Bulldog fans, rodeo season is here. That's right, the Dixie National Rodeo. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid, that was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year, and me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest, and we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, Boots aren't just for going out to a country western bar and doing a little boot scoot. Maybe you got a little Texas two step in your game. Tacovas can make you look better than ever. Absolutely. And here's the deal, too. That's the thing the versatility of Tacovas is you can wear them somewhere nice or you can live life where you don't go gently. That's what Tacovas does for you. Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot. Let NerdWallet's trusted experts untangle today's web of financial misinformation. Listen to the NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app. Future you will thank you. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the magnificent Monday edition of The Yard. Man, so much to get to today. It's been a big recruiting weekend. It's been a big baseball weekend. We're going to preview the SEC baseball tournament coming up. There's just so much to talk about. MSU you softball plays in the regional over the weekend. Just when you thought, you know what, we're at the end of the semester. We're going to run out of things to talk about. You're wrong. You're absolutely wrong. It was a big, big, big weekend in Mississippi State Athletics. And uh, Monday, already off to a huge start for Joe Moorehead in the Mississippi State Bulldog football program. Very, very excited about today's events. We'll get into all of that. We'll kind of recap the weekend it was. You kinda of look ahead. And uh, go ahead and give you a scheduling note right now. And I and I'll mention it in the subsequent shows this week. There will be no boneyard next Monday. There will be no boneyard next Monday. Okay. I'm gonna be I'm I'm gonna be in Hoover for a couple days this week and then I'm leaving going to Oklahoma, going to Rocklahoma again. I'm uh, I'm essentially done with the writing process of Stark villains. I have turned in the final chapter. I have to submit the acknowledgments today and there'll be some edits I have to do, but that all goes pretty quickly. And then we'll pretty soon have a release date for you. And and I posted this on the old uh, Facebook page earlier today, but I just want you guys to know. Okay? So here are just a few of the people that I interviewed for the book. Just so you're aware. Okay, so we'll go ahead and start. 1964 Egg Bowl, I interviewed Bill McGuire and Dan Bland. 1970 Egg Bowl, interviewed Robert Bell. Talked to him about him and Frank Dowsing, about being pioneers at Mississippi State. Interviewed Brantley Jones, former Diamond Dog stud pitcher, about going to uh, Oxford to win the 1970 SEC West Championship Series and winning the the SEC against Tennessee. And what's interesting, too, is Brantley Jones' class, the first class to ever play in Duty Noble. How about that? Interviewed Coach Bob Tyler. We got Rocky Falker and Howard Lewis for the 74 Egg Bowl. John Bond talked about his four years in the Egg Bowl at Mississippi State. Greg Carter was kind enough to share his uh, recollections. Of the 1994 overtime basketball win against Ole Miss. Uh, the King, Coach Jackie Sherrill, talked rivalry with me in 1998, 99 Egg Bowls, some great memories there. Mario Austin talks about the special year of 2003, uh, winning the uh, you know, three games over Ole Miss and, and then you know kind of you know, being part of the renaissance of sorts Mississippi State men's basketball. Uh, spoke with Brooke, Brooks Dunn and Coach Ron Polk about the 2005 SEC Tournament Championship uh, win and about that magical season. Uh, Derek Peggy's about the 07 Egg Bowl as well as his college recruitment. You won't want to miss that. Anthony Dixon spoke with us about 2009 Egg Bowl as well as his four years of fun, fun, fun at Mississippi State. Spoke with Wes Ray about 2013 Omaha trip or 2014 attendance record. Remember that great day, right? Morgan Williams was kind enough to share some time and talk about the shot, beating UConn. Uh, Kind of watching the, the maturation of the Mississippi State women's basketball program and being the first ever Mississippi State graduating women's basketball class to never lose to Ole Miss. Swept all four years. Also, spoke with Nick Fitzgerald and many, 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 many more. Many more. Just a kind of a snapshot of what you're looking for there, okay? And, and it's, you know, I, I, I called in the big guns, okay? And, and there's some other ones out there. There's a few interviews I couldn't pull together. And, and, listen, when we got late in the process, there were some names I really wanted to interview. And I kind of said, you know what? I'm not going to be able to get them all in the book this time. There's only so much book. And so we'll have to save some for next time. And uh, so there's some people like, oh, are you going to interview so-and-so? Yes, yes, I do. Yes, I'm going to interview them for the next one. It'll be, it'll be a couple of years, okay, before we get before, before we do Villains too, before we cycle back around. Uh, so my hope is to do a sequel in a couple of years on this, and we'll do some more stories. You know, we'll get some more names in there. And uh, my hope is that when this book comes out, it will cultivate more tips about other great stories because cause some of my favorite chapters in the book... Are about some wild and crazy things that happened involving students rather than just student athletes. Just some wild and crazy stuff that happened. I got three chapters that are just students that did some really, really notable things in the Mississippi stormus Miss rivalry. It's, it's incredible. And again, I get back to this, and uh, I've shared this many times. This is a very positive, very pro-Mississippi State book. This is not a bashing of Ole Miss book. It's basically a book about the Mississippi State-Ole Miss in-state rivalry written from a Mississippi State perspective because every book, it seems, is written about the rivalry. is written from the Ole Miss perspective. Uh, and so I thought it was time that we had our own representation. And so I went to the folks that were part of those very meaningful and memorable moments in the rivalry, and had them kind of recount their feelings uh, about those ball games and about the rivalry in and of itself. And so it is—it uh, has been one of the joys of my life to put this together for you all. I absolutely cannot wait for you to read it. We'll have it available for pre-order as soon as as soon as they send me that information. Uh, the publisher will have all that set up, and and uh, and we'll go from there. Because contrary to popular belief, I'm, I am not a one-man show when it comes to all of this. I would have never been able. I didn't even know where to start to begin to get books in bookstores or set up book signings and all that kind of stuff and set up all that media stuff. That's just, that's not my wheelhouse. Uh, But I have enjoyed doing this, and uh, the book tour was so much fun with Fun Flam. I'm ready to go do it again. It's uh, so many people at Dirty Noble this weekend. It was such a great weekend. It was a a hot weekend, but man, what a great weekend it was. And uh, I took the Saturday game to go out and spend some time in the lounge. I don't get to do that very often, but it's nice when when everybody's home and uh, you get a chance to go visit, and there's so many people that came up and said, hey, man, we can't wait for the new book, and um, I can promise you, nobody is more ready than I am, and it's really not about having the work finished. It's just getting these great stories documented in the words of our Bulldogs and then getting that into your hands, and that's something I think when you read this book, it's going to have this – it's going to have an impact on you because it's one of those things I think it's going to hit you right there in the sweet spot. You're going to think, you know what, this is why I love Mississippi State. This, this is what I wanted to read. This is what I wanted to know about this player or this moment or this game. And it's going to ratify and confirm everything that you, you kind of believe about Mississippi State. And so it is a very, very pro-Mississippi State book. Again, it is not some book that's just bashing Ole no Miss. It's just one of those things that uh, wanted to kind of get the Mississippi State side of the story out, and so uh, excited for you guys to have it. And I'll have a release date for you guys uh, here in the next few weeks, and uh, and then there'll be an ability to pre-order and kind of get ready for all that stuff. But uh, really, really excited. You can go board, order your Stark Villains gear right now, and trust me, when you read this book, you're going to want to identify as a Stark villain. You can go get that at StarkVillains.com. Several styles to choose from, colors to choose from, a lot of great stuff. Very, very happy with that partnership there. So please, 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 please go to StarkVillains.com. You need a new T-shirt anyway, right? Father's Day is coming up. Go ahead and surprise uh, uh, your dad or the dad in your life by getting him a Stark Villains shirt. Want well, to thank our fine sponsors, Campus Book Mart. Uh, love Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the whole crew, the lovely, talented Susie. If you're if when you go in there, the first smiling face you're going to see is going to be Susie. Make her wait on you, okay? Don't let her just sit there and look cute. Make her wait on you. Make her get some work done. No, I'm serious. She's she, she's great. Uh, but listen, that that, that is a Starkvilleian institution. When you go to Campus bookmart, you're you're going to a place that understands Mississippi State and Mississippi State people. They know what you want merchandise-wise. Go in their outfits, your body, your home, your RV, your pet, whatever you have, your office. You can get all kind of Mississippi State memorabilia and decorative items there. You can get the latest in merino white fashions. If you can't make it to town, we encourage you to go to campusbookmark.net, campusbookmart.net, and you can order all of that great merchandise. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll save you a little cash. Use promo code BSR. Again, that's BSR, which stands for Beautiful. Steve Robertson and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over fifty dollars. Any order less than fifty bucks, absolutely incomplete. So let's jump right into this recruiting piece, man. I tell you, I, I'm um as much as I have enjoyed college baseball, man, there is nothing quite like picking up a four-star running back commitment, right? Absolutely outstanding news today. Not unexpected. Paul Jones and I both have crystal ball, and Paul was a little bit out in front on that to be honest with you. Uh, There was some chatter at one time that Florida State had made a run at him. State kind of withstands that, picks up the commitment today out of Carver High School there in Atlanta, Georgia. And Carver is an absolute powerhouse in the state of Georgia. I mean an absolute powerhouse. The uh, Jaquavius Mark, four-star running back, rated the uh, number 20 prospect in the state of Georgia. Currently, uh, I guess his rating is a 93. Five, ten, hundred, ninety pounds, got offers from just about everybody who's anybody, and uh, let's kind of run down this offer list because I know some of you guys, uh, you know, that's kind of how you you measure the value of a prospect. Even though I'll tell you, there are a lot of false reported offers out there. But all that being said, offers from Florida State, Alabama, Arkansas, Auburn, Boston College, Georgia Tech, Kansas State, Kentucky, Louisville, who hosted him this past weekend on an unofficial visit, Miami, Michigan. Ohio State, Ole Miss, Oregon, South Carolina, Syracuse, Tennessee, Texas, Texas A&M, Virginia, West Virginia, Wisconsin, and Florida. So, lots of options there. Uh, in the end, it boiled down to um, to Mississippi State, Louisville, North Carolina, Georgia Tech, in there a little bit. And and, and Georgia Tech, I've been told, that's the team to kind of watch as the season kind of goes forward. Now. Uh, Marks is committed early. He he has done a lot of traveling already. So there is some talk that he still might take some official visits. And so that's just kind of par for the course these days. But this is a huge get for Coach Joe Moorhead and a huge get for Coach Terry Richardson. And one of the things that I will say, and this will sound like I'm throwing shade, and to be honest with you, I don't really care if it does or doesn't, but Terry Richardson, in the short time that he has been here, has already landed a blue-chip running back. And Charles Huff could not do that. Charles Huff was kind of billed as a big game hunter and then came in and, and, and really did not perform at that level. Uh, but Terry Richardson comes in, another guy that, that's got a lot of ties to the Southeast, a guy that was a recruiting coordinator uh, on the Power Five level. And then he comes in, of course, and he kind of picks up where uh, where the work's already been done. a foundation had already been laid by Coach Joe Moorhead. But Terry Richardson comes in, they get marks in the Bulldog boat. That is a huge development. It's been a while since we have has signed a real blue chip running back. When you begin to think about things over the course of the last couple of years and again I'm not being critical of anybody. But you go out, you know, and um you know, last year you go in Alabama and you and uh you go get a developmental guy. You know, and uh, that's not to say that that guy's not going to be a star for us, because I, I believe that he will be. Uh, but, you know, Lee Witherspoon is just one of those guys that I think when, uh, when you look back on it, he is a systems guy. And so the fact that he's played some at DB and played some at wide receiver and played some at running back, he's just an explosive player uh, that needs to have the ball in his hands. They will find a way to utilize him. You know, jo- Joe is an innovative play caller. I know it didn't always seem that way at times last year, but I think Lee Witherspoon is a piece that will be an important part of things going forward. I don't know that he's an every down back, but he is a bit of a um, – He's not a blue chip, bona fide running back. Even though he he set the Alabama school record, Alabama state record for, for touchdowns scored in a season, he's a finisher. That that kid in the open field will finish a run. But he is not an every down SEC back. Kareem Walker, you go out and you sign him, and, and there's not a lot of risk in signing a guy like him because you have an established starter. You need him to come in and be a depth guy, and if he becomes even more than that. You've won. It's been an absolute home run for Mississippi State. You go back to the class of 2018, and you go sign with Damian Webb, and then he didn't qualify. And I have read recently that uh, Ole Miss has tried to get involved with him. I don't, I don't think what they understand is that uh, he is just a freshman. So you know he is going to need. He's going that three semester rule is going to apply to him, and so he is uh, he is not going to be eligible for 2020. He will be a 2021 kid. Uh, but my point being is that when you look over the course of the last, you know, few years, State has not been able to secure a bona fide blue chip running back until now. That's really what we're kind of focused on now. Colin Hill was an absolute stud on a high school. He will be a stud this year for Mississippi State. That's your last big time running back. But in the two years since signing Colin Hill, State has signed a non-qualifier a depth guy that's kind of rebooting his career at a junior college in Kareem Walker, and then a bit of a dominant and rough late-blooming prospect guy in Lee Witherspoon. But this is a bona fide blue chip guy. This is a guy that can go out and do it. This is a guy uh, that's got a lot of accolades already. Mark's not the only commitment that Mississippi State picked up over the weekend. I don't know if you're aware of this, but uh, we mentioned these junior college bounce back guys, and you know what I'm talking about. You know, these guys that um, have played on the Power Five level or they've at least been in a Power Five program for a year and then head to junior college to kind of reboot. State's had some good success with that over the course of the last few years. Had a great recruiting class a couple of years ago that arguably the top junior college class in Mississippi State history. When you sign Montez Sweat and Jonathan Abram and those guys, uh, that, that was a good class, Chauncey Rivers. Those are guys that, that knew what it was like to, to go to the Power Five level and then head to JUCO and were somewhat humbled in the process. State picks up Devonte McRae uh, on, um, I guess it was Saturday. We pick him up, Friday or Saturday. But um, East Mississippi Community College guy out of Miami, Florida, signed with NC State out of high school, redshirted last year. So he currently retains all four years of eligibility. Now, he'll play this year at East Mississippi and should be able to enroll in January. And then he will have three years to play three. That is huge, you know, because more times than not, you get these junior college guys who only have a couple of years of eligibility left. But because of the fact he had the benefit of that redshirt year, state will have an opportunity to get him for three years. Another guy with a pretty nice offer sheet right out of the gate. You know, it's it's we're, we're approaching the end of the spring evaluation period. That'll all be over here here pretty soon. Uh, but it boiled down to state in Arizona, final offer sheet as of now reported offers: Mississippi State, Arizona, Colorado, Houston. Uh, UL Monroe, Missouri, and Toledo. This is a guy, 6'5", 270, gives you some versatility. Uh, Eager to see him play this year. Absolutely eager to see him play. When you begin to look at this junior college defensive line class, there's a couple things that it tells you. Number one, we're going to try to go ahead and address some depth concerns here. Okay? That depth chart at defensive tackle is paper thin right now as far as an experience piece goes very very talented group just not very experienced they'll get a year of eligibility under their belt this year and get some sec snaps but you need some guys and kind of come in and provide some depth and compete and make those guys better and right now you've got three defensive ends even though i think benjamin key will slide inside and play defensive tackle but you've got three junior college defensive linemen uh, already committed in the class you throw in you've got junior college wide receiver, John Crease Patterson committed, and then Shaquan Anderson-Butts, who could be a safety or a wide receiver, just kind of depending on the team need. He's that kind of skilled of an athlete. But uh, we're, we're starting, you know, we got some junior college kids, and people always say, well, Steve, why do, what do you think? Because everybody gets this nightmare of Arizona Western repeating itself. You know, by and large, that has not been the case. That's the anomaly. If you look at what State's done the last couple years with the junior college classes, it's been very good. You've been able to sign qualifiers. You've been able to sign guys that have been able to enroll in January and take part of, of a, in spring practice. You know, Kareem Walker is an exception there. But by and large, State's done a good job of identifying guys that have experience on the Division I level that are kind of bouncing back. And and here's the deal with that. And I'm not being negative about the junior college system in any way whatsoever. My, my, my oldest son is a product of the Mississippi junior college system. Allowed him a year to kind of get a little bit bigger and stronger. And, uh, move on to play uh, you know, baseball uh, at, on the NAI level. But my point being is that when you have guys that rise to the junior college level straight from high school, the development and maturation process sometimes is a little slower. What I mean by that is there are some other guys that, that they get out of high school and then they go and they're thrown into a power five strength and conditioning program right away. They go through a year of learning what it takes to practice and compete on this level. Whether they see game reps or not, they know what it's like. They understand from a facility standpoint. They understand from a meeting standpoint. So when they get back to this level, number one, they know what they're missing. But number two, there's not that whole... Process of adjustment. You don't. It doesn't take as long for those guys to acclimate, and more times than not, they're going to hit the ground running. Where maybe a traditional junior college player, that it's like you know, it's a big campus. And I'm not, you know, where's the library? How do I get to the cafeteria? All of that is difficult in and of itself, and then you throw in the fact that demands on your time on the major college level are immense. It's so much different than it is in junior college, and so in many respects, for those guys. Those Power Five bounce back guys, they've got a real appreciation for the fact that they're back in that opportunity. But also, too, they already know what to expect. Those junior college guys that are rising up the ranks, it's a new, it is a new experience for them. And that's not being negative about them. That's just the reality of things. And so it takes a little longer. Sometimes it takes a year for those guys to get acclimated. Not so much for the, for the guys that are bouncing back from the Power Five. And so I feel really good about where things stand right now. Uh, and I, I, I'm excited about this defensive line group, you know, kind of moving forward. I think we've got some guys that can really play. I think Trey Lawson is, is, might be the, uh, the hidden gem in the class. Some other recruiting news. Uh, Mississippi State, of course, picked up uh, the transfer of Tommy Stevens. That was something that was addressed uh, late last week. No real surprise there. But everywhere I go, and even at the ballgame, uh, on Saturday, Well, you, Steve, what do you make of this? What do you think? What's going to happen with all this? And I'll, I'll tell you my honest opinion. Tommy Stevens is going to see the field. Tommy Stevens is going to play. I don't know if he's a package guy. I don't know if he comes in and lines up at running back or he becomes the gadget guy or whatever. He, they're going to use him. They're, they didn't sign him for him just to come here and hang out and look cool. That, that's not the plan. Now, he could be your starting quarterback. He, he very well could be. But here's the deal, and I've said this on this show before, if he comes in here and he makes Keaton Thompson better and Keaton wins a job, that's a win for Mississippi State. If he comes in here and he helps Garrett Schrader learn the offense and gets Garrett ready to be groomed to be perhaps a three-year starter, that's a win for Mississippi State. There is no downside to Mississippi State going after Tommy Stevens. There are some of our fans, very well-intended folks, that say, well, you know, Keaton Thompson's feelings might be hurt. Let me, let me tell you, Keaton Thompson is a competitor. Keaton Thompson understands that when you're in the Southeastern Conference, there's always somebody new trying to take your job. This is not an indictment on Keaton Thompson, and that there are some people who have tried to, to twist their own spin on this thing and kind of put their own opinion uh, on it to kind of say to suggest that there you know things are not well in the house of Moorhead. That's not the case. But when you have an opportunity to go out there and sign a guy that could be a difference maker, and like what's interesting too, go watch the highlight video. Tommy Stevens, he throws the ball. He runs the ball. They line him up and running back. They hand him the ball. They throw him the ball at Penn State. Okay? So let, let's say for an example that you're able to put him and Keyton on the field at the same time. You know, what does that do for the defense? Well, you've got a guy out there, big and physical and strong, Tommy Stevens out there that you might run a gadget play with. Anything that Joe Moorhead needs to be innovative as a play caller, to be difficult to game plan against, I am in favor of, and so all these folks that, that have this uh, there's not that's not a huge bunch of folks, but some folks that they have this, you know, this outrage about us going out and signing Tommy Stevens, and, and it's just really silly. We're paying Jim Moore had a lot of money to go win football games. We want him to have the Thanksgiving feast prepared. So it, that being said, we can't follow him around the grocery store and criticize everything he puts in the buggy you got to have some faith. And, and here's the deal, too. If we're getting down to the brass tacks of the whole deal, if Joe Moorhead was not satisfied with his quarterback room after the spring and he had the ability to go get somebody else to make the team better, that is absolutely what he should do every single time. I am a Mississippi State fan first. I am a Mississippi State players fan second. Because in my mind, nobody's bigger than the program. And here's the deal, too. Most of these kids that you're cheering for, if, if they had not picked Mississippi State, you wouldn't be cheering for them, right? Unless you have a personal connection or they're from your area or whatever. You know, you cheer for all the kids from your hometown, right? But I'm a Mississippi State guy first. And if Joe Moore had our football coach, who is paid handsomely, says, you know what? We need to go get this kid because he makes our room better. Then that's what we need to go do. And so all of the comments in the world, and all the opinions, and all the all the posts, and all the tweets, and all that kind of stuff, it's not helpful. It's absolutely not helpful. These people are like, well, I don't, I don't blame Ketan if he transfers. Okay, if that's what he, if that's what he wants to do, then he is not the person that, that I think he is. I just don't believe that's the case with Ketan. He's going to leave because the guy's going to be here for a semester, right? Doesn't make any sense. Ketan's going to play this year. Town's gonna play and so he still has a red shirt year available so what so he's gonna leave and go sit somewhere else and then start over I don't, I don't I just don't think so you know what and if I, if that's what has to happen then that's okay I just don't see it you know there's some other people out there that just they're, they're so bound to determine that some people fall in love with chaos you know what I'm saying there there are some crisis junkies out there that uh, they want drama to happen So they, in turn, can go ahead and lay the groundwork to feel bad about next season. There are some people out there, and I don't mean to take other people's inventory, but there are some people that they they are not happy unless everybody else is miserable. And so they love being able to lay the groundwork to forecast failure to come back later and say, see, I told you, see, I told you. I don't want those people around me. I really don't. Because here's the deal, okay? I love sports, I am very grateful that I get to make a living covering sports. But if sports begins to give me the anxiety that I cannot enjoy my life, then I need to go find something else to do. Right? And there are some people that are always that they simply cannot wait to post something negative about the school that they love. They report to love. They can't, and this is not a you know phenomenon that is exclusive to the Mississippi State people. There are some people out there they just simply can't Well, I told you the season was going to be bad. Okay, well, great, congratulations. You know, I was hoping we got to go to a good ball game somewhere. That's what I was hoping. I was never hoping it for things to be bad. It's just like what's going on right now with baseball. We played ten SEC series this year. We won eight. We. Uh, had an opportunity to sweep and win the SEC West outright. But if we're being objective, right? It, we we blew it. Okay, we blew it on, on Saturday. We did. We did not play well early in the ballgame. We got behind. We showed some fight. We battled back. We just couldn't pull it off. We went eight of 10 SEC series. The fact that we ended up tied with Arkansas after they swept us uh, is remarkable. So for whatever it's worth... We're the co-SEC West champs. It's not worth anything to me, to be honest with you, because this is Mississippi State. All right. So if we win it outright, we might we we might count it. They said we it's our 13th SEC West championship. Okay, great whatever it's worth. I'm only counting, and not that my opinion matters a whole lot. I don't think nobody John Cohen's not going to call and say, Hey, Steve, do you think we should put this in the media guide? That's not going to happen. But for me, you know, I think we are a program weird level that we're really more concerned about SEC championships. And someday a national championship. And and maybe that's this year. I don't know. But I will tell you that, you know, being co west champions at Arkansas doesn't mean a whole lot to me. But the fact that we were able to overcome that sweep in Fayetteville and pull even with them is pretty remarkable. State is the uh, the number four seed in the tournament with we this weekend. Had we won on Saturday, we would be the number two. And that, that's what kind of sticks in the crawl because it kind of would have removed any discussion or debate about Mississippi State's worthiness as a top eight national seed. That makes sense. Guys, Bulldog Company is uh, the place where you need to eat lunch next time you're in town. You can go by and have adult beverage there. Uh, you can have a cocktail there. You can have a great family restaurant quality hamburger meal uh, the Lauren is a new addition. Go, go check that out. Go follow them on Instagram. You can keep up with the daily specials and all the new products they have available to you there. Uh, I love Bulldog Burger Company. I absolutely do. And uh, from the very beginning when they opened it up, I couldn't wait to go try it. And uh, I said, listen, if you're going to sell me on the place, what's the burger I need to have? And they says, well, why don't you start with the Bulldog? And I did. And I absolutely loved the Bulldog. Then I moved to the Bryant. And the next thing you know, I'm off and running, and I've tried them all you need to go try them all yourself. Go take the Boneyard Burger Bulldog Challenge, Bulldog Burger Boneyard Challenge, however you want to say it, and find your own favorites. Walk a little bit on the wild side, okay? Go have the mission, go have the pimentology, add the bacon, get the spring rolls. There are not a lot of things that I'm going to steer you wrong with, I can promise you. And uh, rock and roll music, Mississippi State, and uh, food, those are probably the top three on that list. And so Bulldog Burger Company is the place where the cool kids break bread in Stark, Vegas. When you're in town, come join us, because you, obviously you are a cool kid, or you wouldn't listen to this show. Boulderberg Company, the place in Stark where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So let's take a quick look at the weekend that was, and kind of look ahead here. Uh, the first thing that I want to talk about, Mississippi State softball matches a program best, two wins in the NCAA softball tournament. We get a couple wins over, over Seattle. Uh, lose against Washington, the top three, uh, a, a number three national seed. There are some people, it's amazing to me, the people that have these impassioned arguments about Mississippi State softball that don't attend games. I'm not being critical. I'm just saying it's a little silly to get all over your skis and have these opinions about the coaching staff when you don't attend games or watch games. But all of a sudden something happens and we overreact. Okay, Pump the brakes, try decaf, relax a little bit. It's all going to be okay. Uh, we had a good team. We had a good year. Didn't have a great year. We need at some point need to find a way to get to super regionals. We are in a very very difficult neighborhood when it comes to softball in the Southeastern Conference. One would think though that that would have us battle tested, and so when we do get to the NCAA tournament, that we would have the ability to go win some games. And, and, and we did match a program best with two. But if we're out of league play, if we're battle tested from league play, and then we get out of league play, we have a chance to go play some some of these non conference teams. I would like to think at some point we can kind of put this thing together and advance to a Super Regional and then maybe get knocked out by an SEC team. But my point being is that, you know, I, I really thought, like, when you know, the fact that we go take a series at Florida, the fact that, you know, that we, we won some big games down the stretch, we've got the SEC leading home run hitter, you know. And so I'm not a huge softball fan, but I'm a Mississippi State fan. And what is good for Mississippi State softball is good for the Bulldog program as a whole is good for our athletics department, which is good for me, because I want us to be competitive in all fields of play, and for the most part, we are. And so, congratulations to Coach Van Suderman, congratulations to Tyler Braden, the whole the whole crew there. We got some great players that are leaving. We have some great players coming in. They're excited about this new recruiting class. Uh, my hope is we can turn the corner. I believe we're heading the right direction. I really do. For the first time in a long time, I really feel like that we are headed in a positive direction. I don't think it's just a byproduct of us being in a major conference. I think that we are actually getting better as a softball program. So let's take a look at who was hot for Mississippi State baseball last week. i run the numbers for everybody, just because I think it's important that you guys know. Jake Mangum, a very difficult week last week, two for 21 through four games. Uh, and Jake will be fine. Jake's putting the ball in play. Had a couple of strikeouts, but uh, you know, two for 21 last week. We know we, of all the people on the team, he's the last guy to worry about. A little bit slumped right now. He will bounce back. Jake knows what he's doing. Jordan Westbrook, five for 19. Tanner Allen, a sizzling 12 for 19 last week. Justin Foskew, nine for 17, batting cleanup for you. And the battle continue this week. Okay, there's not going to be a shakeup. Elijah McNamee's still in the cast. Not expected to have any word from him to probably you know, early next week. So everybody just kind of relax a little bit. They'll uh, they'll work through all that. Uh, Dustin Skelton, 3 for 16. Rowdy Jordan, 8 for 17. Man, how good is it to get Rowdy going? You know, that's it's incredible. Gunnar Halter, 1 for 2. Marshall Gilbert, 7 for 16. That's two consecutive big weeks for Gilbert. Getting him going in the nine-hole spot is going to give Jake Mangum an opportunity to hit a lot of time with runners on and a pitcher in the stretch. And so hopefully he can take full advantage. Uh, Josh Hatcher, 4 for 7 with some bombs. You know, he had he had a couple mistakes on Saturday, dropped a couple balls, and that that get, that can't happen. And then it's even magnified when you get down to the end and it's a 10-8 ball game. You know, you, you catch those two balls, you probably win the game. Not, not to blame it on Josh. There were plenty of opportunities Mississippi State missed on. Had some other errors out there. That's, State's got to clean that defense up because as we saw Saturday, State was the better team, but defensively we allowed them to stay in the ball game and gave them opportunities to win the ball game, and they did. Uh, Brad Cumbus, one for four last week. The one was a big one, a home run. Luke Hancock, three of 12. And uh, Landon Jordan had a three for three night and then 0 for two the, the next night. So three for five for Landon Jordan. So uh, we're swinging it pretty well up and down the order. Got a couple of guys that didn't have a great week. But by and large, uh, a good week for Mississippi State Baseball. We uh, take down Louisiana Tech uh and then went two out of three from South Carolina. And I know that we were, we were hoping to take the sweep there. And uh, certainly would have made life a little easier on ourselves to, uh, to get the sweep against South Carolina. We don't. Uh, Peyton Plumlee has been really good for Mississippi State, left a couple balls up on Saturday, uh, and especially with the, the temperature getting warmer, that, that's one thing you can't do. You can't leave the ball up, uh, especially against a team like South Carolina that, that leads the conference in home runs. That's kind of what they do. That's, that's really what they are. They're a feast or famine offense. You know, they're going to they're gonna swing for defenses. They connected on a few balls on uh, on Saturday. Uh, and so as a result they win and and uh, kind of spoiled Mississippi State's uh weekend. I mean it's it's difficult to cry about winning a series, but uh the sweep was there for us to take and it's so difficult to sweep people in this league as you see. Everybody's got good players. You know, it's not like you get through a Friday night deal and everybody's exhausted their their offense. I mean, you know, that's you know, state put up a ton of runs this weekend and uh just needed a couple more a couple more stops defensively and, and, you, and you sweep the series and that's what happens. Even in the SEC teams are at the bottom of the rung bottom of the depth chart uh, or the standings, pardon me you you make bad pitches they're going to make you pay for it. It's as simple as that. There's just not a lot of mercy in this league. Nobody's going to feel sorry for you. Nobody even, listen, the South Carolina was still playing to get to Hoover. You know, If they had lost the series against Kentucky, it'd be a different deal. They, they may have limped the Duke the, the, the Noble Field just ready to get it over with. That wasn't the case. So tip of the cap to them. Now we get ready to go play. Mississippi State will play the winner of LSU South Carolina on Wednesday night. It will be the night game. We, we, we went from being the Wednesday morning game to being the Wednesday night game. At this point, I, I really just want to kind of get if, – if we can win a game or two in the tournament and then go home, I'm okay with that. Uh, I am okay. I don't know that State has an opportunity to gain a whole lot. I would have felt a lot better about that had State swept on Saturday then I would say, you know what, go over there and, and uh, you know, throw a walk on or whatever, let's just go home. But the bottom line is, is that, you know, there is discussion that the SEC may only get three top eight national seeds. you got to think State's in a good position there, but now we finish fourth in the league because of what happened on uh, on Saturday. We're tied with Arkansas on the record, but, uh, you know, Georgia finishes ahead of us, Vanderbilt finishes ahead of us, and even though State beat Georgia head-to-head, I mean, you, you could make an argument all the way around. And so I still think we get four top eight national seeds. I still expect that to happen. State might be able to help their case by winning a couple of games in Hoover. But my feeling is if you get into the weekend, you might as well try to win the thing. I don't think, as uh, Claire Slamona says, I would mismanage my pitching staff to win the thing because you've got bigger fish to fry next weekend. But uh, I'm going to throw Ethan small. Maybe 70, 75 pitches. I'm going to throw JT again. I'm I'm not going to stretch my guys out and get get them elevated. I'm going to throw some guys that need some work, but I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to go out there and just dog a pony show the whole deal. But that being said, I think you treat the first game like a midweek game. I think maybe you go out there and you throw Brandon Smith, and then you just kind of piece it together as you go and get some guys some work. There are bigger fish to fry than winning the SEC tournament, despite the fact that some other people will suggest to you that. You know, the tournament means everything. Every time we've run it, it's been a big deal. But the regular season is what gets you positioned for the NCAA tournament. That's what it's about. That's why we have a regular season champion. It's, it's about who's hot over a season, not who's hot over a weekend. But all that being said, you know, it'd be nice to win it. I don't think State needs to win it to improve their, their standing. I think we're in a pretty good spot right now. But if we get it, win a game or two, it gives you a little room to breathe. That's kind of how I feel about it. And so, you know, my whole attitude about Hoover is that uh, there will be some teams coming in that are trying to play their way into hosting opportunities. So they will probably spend some quality pitching early to ensure they get a win or two and then let the weekend play out how how it plays out. There are others that are, you know, that are just trying to kind of hold serve. And I think that's kind of where we are. There are some other people that that are battling very hard to, you know, to improve their standing for postseason to maybe get in there. Uh, I think people have said, well, you who do you want to play? You know, I don't think South Carolina can hit the ball out of Hoover, you know. Uh, and, and not to mention the fact that LSU uh, has kind of had our number over the years. If we, can, uh, if we saw South Carolina again, I'd be happy about that. I mean, yeah, but either way, I want to go win that ball game, and then we'll figure it out. Uh, but uh, this is a really fun time of the year. This is a really fun – I love the SEC tournament. I watch every single game every single game I watch them all uh, I loved I love the tournament I, I, it's great to be able to get up in the morning and turn tv on and you've got an SEC baseball the rest of the day uh, and so Tuesday that'll be tomorrow obviously we won't have to worry with all that we will just kind of sit back and watch you and we'll find out who Mississippi State's opponent's going to be and then we'll prepare and then Wednesday we'll be right back here and we'll have a ball in yard for you and we'll go ahead and kind of uh, prepare for that but uh, let's take a look at the SEC tournament bracket so we'll get the day started on uh, on Tuesday with uh, number 11 seed Florida versus number six seed Texas A&M that'll get started 9:30 in the morning A&M a resurgent program after taking two or three from Arkansas despite the fact that Ace Lacy did not pitch Ace Lacy one of the top pitchers in this conference Uh, no matter the age or classification. He's an absolute sub. But A&M finds a way to win that, which opened the door for State uh, to catch Arkansas on a stand and had a chance to surpass them. But we won't belabor the point. Uh, That's your first game tomorrow. And then the number two game will be number 10 Missouri uh, versus number seven seed Ole Miss. And you may recall Missouri um, gave Ole Miss a lot of trouble earlier in the year. Missouri, you know, looking to kind of play their way in. I suspect they will throw, you know, a pretty solid pitcher in that ball game. That, that'll that be an interesting ball game. You know, Ole Miss uh, loses two of three over the weekend to Tennessee. They are really in a skid. You get swept by Mississippi State, you lose it to Arkansas State and lose two out of three on the road uh, to Knoxville. And uh, I saw today Ryan Olnick had to come in to close that thing out in the ninth inning uh, for the Saturday game. And so not a lot of confidence in Ole Miss' bullpen right now. That'll be an interesting ball game. If Missouri can get any kind of pitching whatsoever, I expect them to win that game. I think Ole Miss will be one of the first teams at home. It's a single elimination deal tomorrow. So, the, you know, it's a, it's a loser leave town match in Hoover on Tuesday. Game 3, number 9 Tennessee versus number 8 seed Auburn. That'll be an interesting game because t- Tennessee is somewhat challenged offensively, but they're one of those teams you can't take a lot of A-Bs off because they're going to bite. They're going to they're move runners around. They're very they're a nerve-wracking team to have to defend. They don't have a lot of power numbers. They don't have a lot of gap-to-gap power. They're just a team that kind of nickel and dimes you to death. They do a lot of things well, but they're just not a big power team. They kind of out-athlete you. And so we'll see what happens in that ball game. That'll be interesting because Tennessee seems to have kind of found something as of late. They probably need a win. Their RPI is great. There's a lot of talk about that. They might even be in a hosting discussion. So if they could make a run in Hoover, probably improve their seeding there for sure. Uh, South Carolina, of course, plays LSU. That's your night game, and uh, it's one of those things. You win that game, you kind of stay in the match there. And so looking ahead to Wednesday, Georgia, the three seed, will have the morning game. Arkansas will have the second game. The, the first evening game, the primetime game, will be Vanderbilt. Uh, and then, we, of course, Mississippi State will have the night game. Georgia will play the winner of Florida and A&M. Arkansas will play the winner of Missouri, Ole Miss. Vanderbilt will play the winner of Tennessee, Auburn. And of course, State plays the winner of South Carolina, LSU. Uh, and then, and then we see what happens. But uh, the whole thing plays out to Sunday, and and uh, it's one of those deals where. Somebody is going to be the hero of this tournament. Uh, somebody is going to get hot. You know, like like old like Ole Miss got hot last year down the stretch. Now they had some upsets in the tournament that kind of helped them along the way. But Ole Miss finds a way to go win that thing. Kind of played their way into a top eight national seed. They were kind of on the bubble uh, as a top eight national seed, and then they go win the whole thing and beat some teams along the way that, that were kind of in contention for some big things. And so you kind of tip your cap to Ole Miss for finding a way to get hot late. Uh, I know that many of them are hoping for a similar uh, track this year. I just don't see it. But there will be a team that will come out of nowhere and kind of, you know, maybe make it to the semis that'll improve their seeding uh, in the NCAA tournament. And so we will find out this weekend the uh, regional hosting locations. If uh, if you know what I mean, that's they always announce those. Uh, it's usually on Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. I believe that's going to be. Uh, a Sunday, and then on Monday, we will have the full tournament field announced. We do expect will to have a regional for the first time since 2016. So we will be here and uh, have some home baseball, expecting to have two more weekends of baseball here at Mississippi State. How it shakes out after uh, next weekend, we'll see. Uh, but listen, somebody's going to come in here as a two-seed, that is going to be capable of winning the regional. There won't be any bad teams in the regional. There are some teams out there, of course, that uh, some of these mid-major teams will get hot and, and have one or two arms and, and will make it interesting. Uh, but the bottom line is Mississippi State, the whole purpose of the season is to get yourself battle-tested, to get yourself ready to make a run at Omaha in the College World Series. We don't just play baseball to sell jack and peanuts. okay? We're trying to win an NFL championship here at Mississippi State. And so you do all that, and you go through all this work, and the whole point is to be able to host the regional and super regional right here to give yourself the easiest path to get to Omaha. Mississippi State has proven to be a very good road team, proven to be a very good home team. That's because Mississippi State is a great baseball team. And despite the fact that we you know, we didn't get the sweep on Saturday, and I know that that leaves a bitter taste in the mouth, you've got a chance this week. And again, I don't want to put too much emphasis on the, the SEC tournament. Because I don't think think in Mississippi State's situation it's nearly as important as it is for some other teams. Hey, if you can go out and win it, great. But if you go out there and win a game or two and you go home and then you have a chance to get some guys some work and you go get ready for your regional, that is good too. Because we are looking at a bigger picture. We are looking at a team that is capable of winning a national championship. And so I don't think anything this week is going to make or break that. I I think the hate for the most part is in the barn. But a win or two, certainly wouldn't hurt our feelings. Certainly wouldn't hurt our feelings. I remember some years that we've won that thing, that tournament, and uh, you know we win the tournament, and then the, the pitching staff is gassed. I know for sure it's going to be very hot. It always seems to be very very hot at Hoover. So we'll go do that, and then uh, hopefully we'll have an opportunity to uh, to have some big things happen this weekend. So again, I I will be in Hoover uh, Wednesday and Thursday. And then uh, it'll, we'll play it from here, from there. Dave Murray, Robbie Falk will, will have coverage uh, the weekend for us as we get into it. And, and uh, all these games obviously are televised. So you won't have to sit around and watch it on your phone, okay? You'll be able to watch it on SEC Network. I know that is always a concern. Uh, but man, and but thank goodness for the SEC Network and and the app and all the kind of stuff because there's so many baseball games we get to see that ordinarily we wouldn't. Uh, but, yeah, that, so you won't have to worry about all of that. You know, well, I don't get you or whatever. It's all going to be on the SEC network. You'll have a chance to watch it all. Uh, and that's going to be big. That's going to be big for our fans to be able to kind of glue in because I think it's going to be a great tournament because there's so much parity in the league this year. It's not like you've got, you know, just, you know, people talk about, well, you, you've got you know four teams at 120-plus games in the SEC, and so what does that say about the bottom half of the league? You know, I don't think Alabama's very good. I don't think Kentucky's very good, but everybody is capable of putting a couple of pitching performances together and kind of ruining somebody's postseason. And there are a lot of teams out there that aren't nearly as established from a resume standpoint as Vanderbilt, uh, Arkansas, Georgia, Mississippi State. There's some guys in the middle of that pack that need to find a way to win a couple of wins to kind of pad the resume. And, uh, you know, you, you hit the wrong guy on the wrong day, and you're in bad trouble. So – that's something to think about kind of moving forward. So, again, we will be back on Wednesday and kind of get you guys ready. And if I had to call it today, I think I think I would go with LSU, and I think LSU will throw you. LSU's pitching staff has been a mess since Cole Henry went down. But uh, they seem to always kind of play their best baseball this time of the year. I just think their pitching will be their undoing. But I suspect if I'm pulmonary, and thank goodness I'm not, because I like having long hair and tattoos. But, um, but all that being said, I think LSU is on the bubble of hosting. I think everybody feels good because they won the series against Auburn over the weekend, probably have played their way into a hosting opportunity. But if I'm Palmineri, I'm thinking, you know what, i got to go to Hoover and at least get one. i got to get through Tuesday because if you get beat Tuesday – and all of a sudden you're right back on that bubble, that hosting bubble. So I suspect they will throw the best available pitcher Tuesday and not really look to save anybody for Wednesday because at that point once you're in double elimination play, you know maybe you can get into that loser's bracket or if you get in that, that third day that you can throw one of your better arms. But uh, I suspect that we will see OSU really come out and try to play well in that ballgame on Tuesday. I don't think they're going to just throw some Johnny Holstaff approach and hope for the best. They're, they're going to come out and look to win the ballgame. South Carolina, they were playing to get into Hoover, right? Well, now that they're here, they're kind of on borrowed time, but it's a new season for them. You know, If they can get hot this week, they could win the tournament and then get into the NCAA tournament somewhere. And so they've got a new lease on life. As bad as things have gone with all the injuries, all the pitching problems, uh, all the losses they had, people forget they were a game away from going to Omaha last year. And so they're a team that's very capable of coming through and making some things happen. Uh, as we saw this weekend, they, they they don't have a lot of pitching. That's the truth, uh, but they can hit a little bit. And as we saw on Saturday, you know, if uh, if 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 you leave some balls up, they'll punish you. I just don't know uh, if if Hoover uh, is a, is the place you're going to see a lot of home runs yet. There's just it's it's rare to see a big power surge. Every so often we have one of those weird years where uh, you know everybody gets going. But by and large, it is a pitcher's park, and so people will challenge you. And I think that. The, we're going to have a chance to see some fun this week. And so enjoy tomorrow. Take some time. Enjoy it. I know many of you will be at work, and maybe you can uh, you know, maybe you can use the phone or your app or whatever and, and kind of keep up with the games at your desk as, as things kind of move forward. But uh, it's a great time of the year, and it's so great that Mississippi State is going into this thing pretty much as an established contender rather than thinking, okay, we've got to go to Hoover and do all this. You know, we're, we're feeling good about where we stand with life. Well, folks, that's going to do it for today. Again, we'll be back on Wednesday. Looking forward to uh, to some interaction with you guys over the course of these next couple of weekends. And uh, please make it a point to get out here to Duty D- Noble Field for the regionals. It, there have been so many years there where we took it for granted. And then we went to a stretch where... Uh, we went through a stretch where we, we didn't have it for a while. and Then we finally get it back, and, and it's it's not as regular as I would like for it to be. I want what you has. I want to be able to go even in a bad year. But uh, let's turn out and have some huge crowds and really enjoy Diamond Dog baseball. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends than enemies, and people can see a difference in the way we live.